We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. Back with Sam. Sam, how you doing? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Um, we're tired, though. <laughs> we're we're getting tired. Of I don't a know when of, to like couple different things. I don't know when to like shift the podcast to be about next season because <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. Normally, like. I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second, but schedule stuff is coming out now. Oh, and usually by now we we understand. That's one of the reasons that we're tired. By the way, Mike, <laughs> because all day I've been confronted with nothing but national reporters <laughs> tweeting out virtually meaningless schedule dates that they Boban Marjanovic's return. Oh my God! <laughs> when I saw when I saw Mark Stein tweet out Boban Marjanovic's return to Dallas as like a one-time tweet, not like an overall schedule <laughs> overview. Because here's the thing. It's one thing to be tweeting out an overview of a team's schedule. Once the right. full schedule releases, or the first give me game the details. Of the season. Yeah. Give me the details. That's fine. I want to know how many back-to-backs a team right. is playing. Right. You know, I, I, I want to know. Christmas Day like, games are interesting. Th- that's the exception. Yeah. That's the exception. In this, and there was news regarding the Suns with Christmas Day. We'll definitely get to that later. We'll talk about that. That I'm really looking forward to. But, but that's different. These well, be- home before- openers... Of, of yeah. <laughs> Dallas versus Houston. Like, who gives a shit? Who gives before a shit, we get honestly? To, before we get to our weekly Kevin Durant update, uh, and since we're on schedule stuff now, do you remember who the Suns played in the first game of the year last year? Um, I remember, no. I Is it obvious? It was, no, I don't remember for sure. I think it was the Nuggets. Right, wasn't it the Nuggets? I feel like it may have been the last. I remember time. the Nuggets beating the Suns early in the season, and then the uh, Nuggets fans uh, throwing a championship parade on Twitter. I'll tell and you then, what. Of course, the Suns beating them the rest of the games. The last time I remember specifically what the season opener was I, for I Phoenix, think I know what this is. <laughs> uh, it was the 2018-19 season. Yeah, 
You remember this. That's versus Luka Doncic, right? It was DeAndre Ayton versus Luka Doncic game one, and the Suns won, and Ayton played well. And we threw our championship parade on Twitter, yeah. (laughs) And and Ayton played well, if I recall correctly. And yeah, we threw essentially exactly that, our championship parade, and then we won 19 games that season. I actually Um, feel like the, the first game of the season is only interesting to the teams that have really high draft picks, <laughs> you know, like, cause we had DeAndre Ayton, number one pick. That was his first game ever. We got to watch that celebrated. It was also Luka Doncic's well, first game ever from the perspective of just it being sort of a historic moment for our team. That's what made it interesting for yeah. a team that has championship aspirations. The first game of the season is as forgettable as possible. Well, any, t- any team with a big debut though is kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, if yeah, K- true. If, Trades if, and stuff like that. If KD's on the Suns, it will be yeah. interesting just by virtue of that. But overall, look, I mean, so, okay, that was announced that the Suns are playing Dallas game one. Obviously, I'm excited for that, and I hope they come out with great energy given the way last season ended. My overall point just being it's mid-August. I know reporters have to cling to whatever content is out there and, po- and you know, podcasters like us as well. But mm-hmm. we know which teams were playing twice. We know which teams were playing four times. <laughs> You don't have to tw- if you're Shams, cut yeah. it out. Yeah, cut it out. I don't need you. Like, okay, granted, maybe I need to put my phone down too and not be checking Shams's Twitter account at all. Right, mid August, but you can't really blame me. The guy has two million Twitter followers. A lot yeah. of people have his notifications turned on, Including thinking that me. the next, thinking that the next thing he tweets could very well be yeah. dropping the KD trade or at least some <laughs> news related to it. Yeah. And then instead, I'm seeing stuff about. Boban Marjanovic's return or whatever. I know that was Mark Stein, but I'm seeing some egregious examples from Shams as well, and I don't need to see it right now. Well, I do yeah. not appreciate it. Like Paolo versus Houston or whatever. Like like Paolo versus Houston. <laughs> like Chris Haynes did the <laughs> found the first Paolo versus DeJounte Murray game on the schedule and tweeted that one out. Like it's a you know, a historic NBA moment that we all have to tune in to watch. But yeah, it is kind of funny. Look, in some ways, I appreciate it. I'm not going to lie. We need things to talk about on a weekly podcast in the in the dredges of the off season. Uh, so I still kind of appreciate it. But I do think it is funny that it's just sort of trickling out. And like the difference between like Sham Sharania saying something like Luka Doncic versus the Suns on the first game of the season and wherever Mark Stein's contacts are now that the one game he breaks is Boban Marjanovic's return to Dallas... I think that says something about their sources. But speaking of Mark Stein, we have to give our weekly Kevin Durant update. If anyone wants to make a theme song for our weekly Kevin Durant update, feel free to send it to us. I was thinking about that before this podcast. Didn't realize it would take this long. Otherwise, I would have done it myself. But there was a Mark Stein report about Kevin Durant that now has been refuted by Kevin Durant himself, which was that an anonymous executive from the Eastern Conference said that he thinks that Kevin Durant would be willing to retire before returning to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, And I think that that was an interesting report because I think it pointed to the possibility of a willingness by Kevin Durant to, at the very least, make it complicated. Nobody believes he's going to retire, right? That wasn't, I think, the point of that executive saying that. Well... I think think the point was that... (laughs) I think the point was that he really does not want to go back to Brooklyn and maybe there's some sort of holdout possible there. Are are you saying that it was kind of like an intentional assertion of hyperbole? Yes. Because I think you're the the first one. I mean, I took it at face value. You thought that that somebody actually believed that he was willing to retire? 
not necessarily, but at least that they were willing to put it out there. And, yeah. you know, knowing that we ever Do you think it was James Jones? He's like, just saying from the, the Eastern Conference. Yeah, you, know, you said you said Eastern Conference executive. So, no, I don't think it was James Jones. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I don't think James Jones talks to anyone. Um, although right. it could always be another executive in the Suns front office leaking stuff. We never know. I mean, look, I don't even know what to say about. There are other aspects of what happened with KD this week that are kind of interesting. I don't know what to say about this. Mm-hmm. This is obviously so ludicrous and absurd <laughs> that, you know, like, okay, we're coming up to an interesting point in the KD saga. Training camp is going to be fascinating, assuming that things don't move here much in the next few weeks, because where we are right now, it doesn't really feel like they will. And also understanding that we are now only five weeks away from training camp. It is not as far away. Perhaps Five weeks perhaps feels like a really long time, but truthfully, it's not that far away. Mm-hmm. Once we come to the decision of KD having to put his foot down and maybe sit out, that will be a big deal. That will send shockwaves around the league. Until we get to that point, a lot of people are still operating under the assumption that this guy loves basketball. Uh, he's been photographed working out with, with various multiple other NBA superstars, including one of Phoenix's own this mm-hmm. summer. We know the guy likes to hoop. Uh, it's it's just like inconceivable that he retires over yeah. this. He's well, not... I mean, he- He's not going to He did retire. reply. He replied to it. I mean, he said something to the effect of, don't believe a anonymous executive over me. And I think that the, the pervasiveness of the anonymous Eastern Conference executive, by the way, it always seems to be uh, Eastern Conference executive. Maybe, maybe it's the same source for every single one of these stories, some guy that likes to text. Uh, but... The pervasiveness of that and the lack of responsibility that is then placed over the journalist that reports it is kind of funny and I think would be incredibly frustrating for the players if you were a player. Like if Kevin Durant, you know, reads a story that he's willing to retire and he's like, I never said that. And and to be clear, the report did not say that Kevin Durant said that. It was just something that some guy believed, which was told to Mark Stein and then Mark Stein reported it as a quote essentially because that's what constitutes journalism uh kind of in the nba in general but especially in august especially in mid-august it's you know uh, and and it's perfect for these aggregators as well because the environment that where nba journalism is currently it's not even just about what shams and um and and mark stein and and all these other reporters do but it's also what these aggregators with hundreds of thousands of followers Mm -hmm. um or these or these huge websites sometimes Um, the per- it's the perfect type of story for them to be able to pick out that one juicy quote and slap <laughs> it on a screenshot with yeah. a fancy graphic background and uh and, and a yeah, picture that's kind- of, of of Kevin Durant in a suit on the bench and then just KD willing to retire question well that mark? would be that would be like the clutch points <laughs> thumbnail or the clutch points <laughs> thumbnail would probably be a lot more ridiculous than that I didn't see them post one yeah um, they, they, that would be him on a boat or something right it would have to be like some yeah like sailing of off yeah sailing off into the, into sunset, the sunset except yeah. he'd be like half man half snake somehow <laughs> i don't i don't yeah, know yeah, it would right. be it would be weird the color would, grading would be weird yeah it would be very like dreamlike and kind of <laughs> like twin peaksy anyway uh, for anyone who didn't see <laughs> the actual tweet of what he said if you're not on twitter if you didn't follow along with this story he said exactly i know most people will believe unnamed sources over me but if it's anyone out there that'll listen I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. Shit is comical at this point. And uh, some people listened Kevin Durant because 120,000 people liked that tweet. So he's obviously yeah. aware of his right. um, 
his ability to kind of do his own his own PR for better right. or worse. He he definitely likes doing that. Yes. And yes, I am listening, but am I also thinking about David Lynch creating the graphics for Clutch Points? Yes, yes, I also am thinking about that now. <laughs> That's a funny concept to me. Uh, I, there's been a little bit more KD stuff. Like that was sort of the end of the retirement thing. And I think even if even if the the retirement part, I think I never fully believed he was willing to retire. I thought from the beginning, I just thought it showed that whatever the story was of Katie's a Hooper, he's going to play basketball no matter what the tides of that story are now shifting to be maybe Kevin Durant is willing to at least hold out for training camp or something like that. Make things as messy as possible. And also there is a massive payment. Kevin Durant's salary is paid off in, t- in like four different payments or something like that before in the, in the regular season. And there is one massive payment that whatever team he's on owes him right before training camp. I imagine the Nets would want to ship him off before that. So whatever team he's on in the future pays that payment instead of them. So I, I could see something happening before training camp. I still, and I've maintained this, would be surprised just based on the messiness of him asking them to fire the two people in charge of the team. I still think it's unlikely he returns to the team. But the other story was from Sam Amick. This is just sort of an update on Kevin Durant's story written for The Athletic. And he just sort of implied that the Celtics were the unofficial leaders in the trade talks for Kevin Durant just because of the concept of the inclusion of Jalen Brown. This is something that has come up relatively consistently, which scared me when we first heard about it and still, I think, is one of the only things that you could say is a bit scary. You add to it a recent photo of Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant working out, and it's all just a little bit silly. Uh, But... The implication is that the Nets want what they imply as the second best player of any team that they're trading Kevin Durant to. And of course, in reality, they want the best player, but they will turn down anything that doesn't at least include the second best player on the teams. And the Suns, I mean, there's an argument to say that the Suns, even if they include Mikael Bridges, would be sending the fourth best player to, you know, maybe on the Suns. You'd have to really kind of squint to make the case that Mikael Bridges is the second best player on the team. But what do you think reading this report from Sam Amick? Was this sourced? Uh, I guess I should know better probably. Like, is this Sam's... Is there an element of speculation here? Or is this it judging like from it. people he's talking to, right? Because, yeah, it's, to me it felt like a healthy dose of speculation, although believable speculation at that, about the idea that the Celtics are the unofficial favorites. Among um, the executives with whom I spoke is how okay. the paragraph starts, which, by the way, is probably the same East, anonymous Eastern Conference executive. Yeah, the I goss- mean, at The least gossipy at- one that apparently talks to every single one of these guys. I generally do trust Sam's reporting, and look, at least he said executives plural, so hopefully that implies we're dealing with a decent sample size here. Who knows? By do, the way... Do you, think, but do you think that other executives from other teams besides, like, the Suns, Celtics, and... Nets have any idea what's actually going on <laughs> like that they I mean, have they're not involved, no, 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 no. much involved it's no, kind no, of no. an interesting thing that they have any idea what's going on no I wouldn't necessarily say that that More they would us, love though, yeah. to talk about it to reporters yeah. though yes I think frequently yeah. people in the mm-hmm. NBA community underrate the extent to which <laughs> this is going to sound stupid right but like when you when you join an NBA front office and you are making all that money and have all that power, but you give up your ability to participate in the public discourse, <laughs> in, the, the, yeah. in, in the in the trash yard that is NBA Twitter. Like, you don't get to discuss 
ordinary basketball opinions and like exchange mm-hmm. with people anymore. And I think, you know, these guys love basketball. So I think a lot of them really miss that and, and they cherish an opportunity to kind of have a dialogue with reporters just about how they feel about things for that very reason. Because it's one of their only opportunities to do so. They, they're not like the rest of us. They don't get to just like put it out there. Um, so I definitely do believe he's getting the opinions of a bunch of guys. Whether those opinions mean anything, I couldn't tell you. Real quick, you did mm-hmm. mention that Katie was sniped working uh, working out with Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I just like he's worked out with James Harden a couple weeks ago. He also <laughs> obviously worked out with Devin Booker earlier mm-hmm. uh, earlier this summer. I don't mm-hmm. I don't read into that at all. I just I just yeah. want to put it out there. Like the Celtics. If if they're a threat to the Suns to get KD, which they obviously are, it's based on the strength of their package and that Jalen Brown is a better <laughs> player than Mikhail Bridges. It's not it's not about that KD worked out with Jason Tatum when mm-hmm. we know he's also worked out with Devin Booker. Like to me, that just right. that's not affecting anything here um, in the way that I think about it either. Uh, but if you want to talk about like the strength of their package alone, that's fine. Yeah, they got and strong more sp- package. Uh, yeah, it's a strong it's a strong package, and, and more specifically, I guess what's interesting about this now is like there's this pervasive idea at this point. Again, we're we're on like this is a standstill now, right? Katie can bluff all he wants for the next mm-hmm. five weeks. Will he actually sit out training camp? Will he actually apply the pressure once it's September uh, 25th, September 30th, whatever the date is, the first day mm-hmm. of training camp? We're going to be ab- asking that until then, I, I have a feeling, right? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we, we might be. And, uh, and at that point, though, because there's kind of this pervasive idea right now that if you're the Nets, you hold this out until the season starts, mm-hmm. and eventually teams are going to up their offer. Or at the very least, they're going to give you what you want. Or, or and maybe another star comes to the market if you're willing to hold out long enough. Even if that means KD misses training camp. Even if that means KD sits out for the, I don't know, 10 games, 20 games, the first half of the season. There's kind of this idea that if you're, if you're the Nets and you just hold out, eventually you're going to get the offer you want. But I also think that's not entirely a reliable premise. Mm-hmm. Because what happens if you're the Boston Celtics and you're coming off the season where, you know, obviously you generate a lot of positive momentum, even if you do lose the finals. We've gone on record before saying, like, look, I think the Celtics should make this move. I think their championship window with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown even being as young as they are, your championship window is kind of never as open for as long as you think it will be. And so that they should just make the move to get themselves a championship right now. That being said, let's say Boston opens the season and it's December 1st or December 15th or something. KD hasn't played in 25 games. Let's say he's actually holding firm. Yeah. And Boston is 20 and 3. They're at the top of the Eastern Conference. They've got all sorts of momentum. They don't want fans to riot and they really think, you know what, maybe they've talked themselves in to running this back. Is there a possibility for Brooklyn where the market for a superstar disappears? That Jalen Brown is no longer on the table. Donovan Mitchell by then might already be in New York. They just, you know, reemerged. That was another story that broke today is that they're they're yep. talking yep. again, mm-hmm. at least. You know, is there... <laughs> by the way, that story also has they're not close to a trade in it, though. <laughs> and that's, fi- that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm only mm-hmm. bringing this up yeah. to posit the idea that the pervasive logic right now is that Brooklyn just needs to hold out and their situation will improve. Are we not considering enough the notion that that is not true? <laughs> that uh, yeah. that the environment yeah, will get worse for them. I think first Katie of all, I think they need steady. to. I, it will definitely get worse for the record. Like, there's. I don't think there's a scenario where all of a sudden 
an entire summer of of Kevin Durant in private, at the very least, saying he doesn't want to play in, for the Nets makes the situation better uh, going into the season. But I I still don't see a scenario where they don't have some sort of deadline here before the season begins. And I, I think the leverage that they have is sort of at the very least based on some idea that he might be willing to play for a larger amount of teams than was previously reported. There has been some speculation that maybe the the Celtics are okay, maybe the 76ers are okay, but the only actual concrete reporting seems to be Phoenix and then Miami as the only teams that seem to be true that he'd be willing to play for. If he starts to sit out for the Nets, What's to stop him from sitting out from any other team he doesn't want to play for? Well, and then sure. the leverage completely shrinking and disappearing. So, yeah. you know, like it, I, I don't see a scenario where if he comes if he comes back in quotes, but then sits out, it gets better. It, it will definitely get worse as far as leverage goes. They, you know, they what's probably interesting? need to trade him. What's interesting too is I'm just really curious to see how this situation affects Kyrie, um, yeah. as the guy who who also you know sat out uh, for different mm-hmm. reasons obviously but for a large portion of last season i mean if katie actually puts his foot down here you know Kyrie's in a contract here mm-hmm. he needs to play well this year yeah what does a nets team look like if katie sits out for half a season you know does, <laughs> yeah i mean wh- how does that affect Kyrie? is he just mm-hmm. enraged and in full pursuit of you know, the max contract that's going to take him into his mid thirties that he wants, yeah, and, maybe, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, and does that fuel the and Nets ben to Simmons, like, and Ben play? Simmons and, and does that create some sort of synergy and does that fuel, you know, a low level playoff berth for the Nets at least, or yeah, does it have yeah. the opposite effect and does it kind of just blow them up and they implode before, mm-hmm. you know, before they even have a chance. They also signed TJ Warren. So maybe he can come in and play if he's healthy. I mean, I think uh, there's so a real argument. Games. You kind of scoff at it, but also if you're a Nets fan, you're probably thinking like, okay, TJ, did they get him for a minimum? I can't remember. I mean, it feels like... It was a small contract. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. Should be a small contract. But TJ Warren is the kind of guy where if KD misses, you know, October, November because of some dispute while you're trying to move him, you you talk yourself into TJ being like 60%, maybe 50% of what KD can give you in terms of like a scoring profile, right? Like you just mm-hmm. need a guy out there who's not afraid to who's not who's you need a guy who's audacious, who will just go out and try to get buckets and at least TJ yeah. will do that. And he won't do that at the same level well, he doesn't of, pass. Of, of efficiency and he doesn't pass and yeah. he's a he's a health risk and there are all these reasons that he mm-hmm. doesn't really mm-hmm. make There's much a reason money he's on a point, small contract, yeah. I'm just saying if if well, you know you're going to be missing Kevin Durant for a large portion of the season and you're kind of strapped in terms of what options you really have tj warren is among the better options as far as like veteran minimum yeah. contracts go to oh, go yeah. out and get a guy who just scores a little bit so that's I, that wasn't a bad move on their part or or a bad hedge if that's why well, i agree yeah it's interesting as far as just giving him a try who sees who knows if he's going to be healthy or not interestingly while all that is happening the DraftKings odds for what team kevin durant will be on next season did shift and now has the Suns and the Celtics tied. The Suns were not at the top of this list as recently as a few weeks ago and now are at the top tied with the Celtics, both underneath the Nets, which are a heavy favorite in the DraftKings books basically right now, which I find interesting only because there hasn't really been any news related to the Suns 
except for <laughs> there was this sort of the the athletic in a classic let them eat cake moment allowed a writer to write about the Suns and Kevin Durant for the first time I think in this entire saga the writer was Doug Holler who is a good writer uh, writes for the athletic but does not cover the NBA and uh, and they did they wrote about the concept of what it would look like for Kevin Durant to be on the Suns I think for the first time we saw something like that uh, so with, I don't think that was the type of article that shifts odds like, you know, like Shams didn't no. even retweet it or anything like that. No. Uh, you know, it's not like that kind of thing. Uh, but I did find it interesting that they finally wrote about the Suns with a lot of quotes considering Every, Doug, um, Doug doesn't cover the NBA. That's really funny that you referred to that as a let to me kick moment. Yeah, first we of had all. no Every- bread. Yeah. <laughs> every, uh, every eight months the athletic remembers that the suns exist yeah and they they go like, shit throw them some chum yeah we ad- allocate you know yeah g- grab grab someone to write an opinion piece about them uh that's basically all we got so yeah the athletic should not be your go-to source for suns news any real suns fan knows that at this point um they did gina mizel dirty end of story yeah I agree with that. As for the odds, uh, though, maybe last thing on that, like, you know, you're right in saying that nothing, not a whole lot of news has come out on the Suns front. But, you know, positive momentum for Boston is the same as negative momentum for Phoenix, just in terms of balancing the odds a little bit there. They were higher than the Suns already ever since the Jalen Brown story. Oh, okay, All right. I mean, yeah, it just kind of makes sense for me for those teams to be about where they are right now. Yeah, I I think so, too. You know, I, I although I will say, like, we're talking about the actual packages that could be offered. The Suns have a worse offer, <laughs> you know, like they just do than Jalen Brown at this point, uh, mostly because Aiton can't be included. Uh, and I think you could just say that just from the perspective of just looking at that alone, the fact that the Suns are even is interesting. I think it shows the power that Kevin Durant could have in this situation. We did have a question on discord that was related to this. We we're going to do these at the end, but since this is related uh, Schoolfish on Discord said, if you had to say today where KD starts next season, where is your prediction? We did cover this on our Patreon podcast with Kellen Olson, uh, and he told us what he thought, but what do you think, Sam? I'm starting to feel like he does start a season on the Brooklyn Nets roster. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's playing games. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to drag out, unfortunately. Yeah, um, we really. Need I don't a segment, know. Man. Should we I really... be the hopium? Should I be the hopium guy and say the you Suns? should be like, the hopium? But he also... wants to play for the Suns. Like I don't know. That I know he wants to. Play Kellen for the made Suns. a a strong argument in favor of the Suns just from the perspective of we know he wants to be in Phoenix. Uh, but Kevin Durant is he's a weird guy. <laughs> you never know what could happen between now and then. So I uh, I wouldn't say I'm like overly confident or anything. Uh, but you know, knowing that the Suns have what they have, which is a lot of draft picks to potentially offer. And the fact that Kevin Durant clearly wants to play in Phoenix, you know, Devin Booker, Monty Williams, Chris Paul, you know, that is, is pretty enticing for somebody like Kevin Durant. Uh, But like you said, the nets are always a possibility within that. Anything else on that? I think that is the weekly update. (laughs) <laughs> the we weekly, did it. We the weekly update. We need some music for next. We need to, or if you just have an idea of a of a, a stinger that could be funny, I can make it myself too. But I don't have any ideas of what we can make. But yeah, let's actually. Maybe let's the, just, um, mm-hmm. uh, okay, I'm, no, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to say this for now. <laughs> okay, let's, let's go to break. take a break and come back. Uh, this went longer than I thought. Let's come back and talk about the schedule stuff. We'll be right back. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. As we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, the schedule has been trickling out as far as some games being announced tomorrow, or today for most of you. The full schedule will be released, so any uh, extra analysis on the full schedule will probably be coming on a Patreon podcast later this week. But for now, let's talk about what we know. And the most interesting thing is the Suns are playing Christmas Day. We, we weren't sure. Uh, once I saw that the Dallas Mavericks were playing somebody other than the Suns on Christmas, my first prediction was I bet the Suns are playing the Nuggets and I bet it will be the last game of the night. And it turns out that was true. The Suns are playing the Nuggets. I don't know what time they're playing yet. Uh, my quick perspective on this was I'm not sure I want a Christmas Day game anymore. Wow, really? <laughs> it's, Why? The, the stage is nice. Yeah. But the ability for the game to sort of ruin the end of your Christmas night, <laughs> because if it goes badly like it did last season, it just has a lot of power over my mood on Christmas Day. And I don't know if I like that or not. Yeah, it'll be the end of the night, though. You know, yeah. like it'll be you'll be going to work the next day regardless, probably <laughs> unless you're taking like a full vacation at the end of the year. I don't know if you do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm just happy to have the prestige. I'm happy to have the stage. And, and especially the thing about Christmas is, you know, <laughs> you know, without fail every year, one of those spots is going to the Lakers, whether they, uh, deserve it or not. Mm-hmm. One of those spots is going to the goddamn New York Knicks, whether they deserve <laughs> it or not. And it's like, look, fine. I'm, I'm seeing, you know, Knicks fans, Lakers fans on social media, like gloat about it or or you know tell small right. market teams fans of small market teams to fuck off it's like right. this is our night you know like it, yeah. like it was it was always obvious it was always inevitable right. that they were going to get those spots just by virtue of being big markets mm-hmm. what that means is the rest of the christmas day slate you're always going to have eight actually deserving teams of being in there and with the way the sun season uh, imploded I just wasn't sure that we were going to be like yes we finished with the best record last year i was hopeful mm-hmm. but but not certain that yeah. they were going to be rewarded with one of those eight spots. So well, I was just, I, I'm happy for the for the little show of uh, prestige, the stage. Devin Booker, look, we, we're sort of used to what he is, but like his profile across the NBA has risen pretty dramatically. And I think maybe sometimes you and I, because of how close we are to it, maybe we haven't fully comprehended uh, just 
what that is like for everyone else because uh, you know the combination of the trip to the finals another playoff appearance being on the cover of NBA 2K and all of the stories that have existed just sort of around him along with Kendall Jenner who is another very famous person who he is dating I, I think that he and if you just look at jersey sales I think he was in the top 12 of jersey sales I think last year towards the top of the league and uh, you know all of that combined I think the NBA of course would benefit for for putting him on uh, Christmas Day games uh, at the very least along with Chris Paul and if you're Bill Simmons I you'd be required to mention the State Farm commercials is what makes Chris Paul famous at this point Uh, (laughs) because as Bill puts it that's how his wife knows Chris Paul Uh, but the combination of those two guys and then look maybe Kevin Durant's on the team at that point and you don't want to risk I don't know if Brooklyn's playing in, in Christmas Day but like that would be interesting if they're not and the Suns are. Um, they are not. I don't actually have the games in front of me. I don't know if they've all been announced yet, but yeah. They have. Okay. They have. Here, yeah. you keep talking. I'll look it up. Yeah, and just, you know, I think we should talk about the Suns playing the Nuggets, too, and just what makes yeah. that interesting. I think there is some sort of history there, of course, with the sweep in the playoffs, and, you know, there was a moment of Jokic getting in Devin Booker's face. There was also... An interesting game in the regular season this last year where Devin Booker took the matchup against the Nuggets incredibly seriously. And it was one of his best all-around games of his career. Offensively, was, he um, was amazing, but he defensively and rebounding, he was incredible in that game as well. Probably his best you, game of the season. Are you talking about the 49-point 10-assist game, or was that what it was? Roughly Something like about? that. There was like yeah. the classic moment of him stealing the offensive rebound, getting an end yeah. one, you know, the picking off Jokic at midcourt and running it in for a layup. You know, Yeah, all probably of those his moments. best. Probably his yeah. best game of the season, at least if we're talking mm-hmm. about regular season. Um, the five games here, Sixers, Knicks will definitely be first. Bucks, Celtics, uh, Lakers, Mavs, the two mediocre teams, uh, Golden State. <laughs> you got to give the Lakers a chance to win I hope, that one, right? I hope the wrong people don't listen to this one. The um, <laughs> Golden State, Memphis, that'll be a good game. Wait, can we just say Shams when he announced the game against the Suns for the first game of the season? Said Luka Doncic and his new backcourt starting partner, Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, it's, fa- it's, it's it's factual, but it also kind yeah. of just brings to light how how mediocre their offseason has been. It, bad, I would call it. <laughs> it yeah, I mean, it depends, it depends how you feel about Christian they, Wood. They, re- they know, replaced they replaced Jalen Brunson with JaVale McGee in the starting lineup, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> all right, moving on from that. Uh, so, no Brooklyn, first of all. You do notice no Brooklyn okay. Nets. Unironically, I'm sorry. Uh, Lakers, Golden, Mavs, and then Lakers, Mavs, and Golden State, Memphis. That'll be a good one. Yeah, okay, rivalry, yeah, and then they Phoenix. Each other, yeah. Phoenix, Denver. Also is last. Kind okay, of hate each like other. I, I don't know if the players really hate each other. Although maybe Jokic and Campaign hate each other, but um, <laughs> the <laughs> Campaign has made more MVPs hate him than anyone else. The, in the, um, NBA. <laughs> the fans, the fans hate each other, and and I will say this. Yeah, yeah. Sincerely. That's true. I really like this for the Nuggets, too. It's not just about the Suns. I like that the Nuggets were included because if you know anything about what's going on with the Nuggets TV provider and their whole situation and the fact that they have the lowest ratings uh, in the league, which is not necessarily the fault of the consumers because a lot of consumers are locked out and just aren't able to watch the Denver Nuggets consistently. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they've always been a small market, too. But despite having an MVP... 
I don't think the Nuggets have got. Certainly, I think the Nuggets have gotten enough love and respect from like certain nerds in the national media. But just you know, in terms of like the average fan's ability to watch and appreciate what Nikola Jokic does on a basketball court, I don't necessarily know that we are there. You know, I think I think it is good for the Nuggets to have more opportunities to shine on national TV. And yeah. yeah, this is a budding rivalry at the end of the day. I think this is a good matchup. And I think a lot of hipsters yeah. will tune into this and hopefully we get a good one. Yeah, watch them get embarrassed against the Suns. I um, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, ho- I mean, I hope it puts, I won't put the Jamal Murray stuff to, to rest. Uh, we, need another, not, no. we need another playoff and Jamal Murray is great against the Suns. Yeah, that, that is a fact. Look, as much as we like to prod yeah. the Nuggets fans, his averages against the Suns are significantly higher than his averages normally. I'm going to tell you right now, we don't care. It's, <laughs> we're not we're not pressed. We're, bring bring it well, on, Stephen Jamal a. Murray. That's a Stephen A. Uh, okay. reference, yeah. We're we're ready. We're ready. I, it's been two goddamn years. Yeah. It's been two years. I'm ready yeah. for the Jamal Murray memes. I think, to oh, I think the Nuggets fans care a lot more about losing to the Suns than... Of course, the Suns do being the the team that swept them. I think, you know, as far as fans hating fans, I don't think the Suns fans. I think Suns fans like to like to prod and make fun of and and sort of troll Nuggets fans and Nuggets fans like actually do hate Suns fans. So that relationship is maybe a little one sided in that. And, you know, maybe that's how like Lakers. I don't know. Lakers fans actually do hate the Suns funny enough because the Suns beat them in the playoffs, too. So. Uh, there's some one-sidedness to that. I was kind of looking at the Western Conference standings the other day, and like I try to remain, you know, I'm not objective really about anything. I I do have my purple and orange glasses on, but I try to remain somewhat objective in terms of my ability to appreciate other talents around the league. Like I was just talking about with Jokic, you know, I don't have anything against mm-hmm. Jokic necessarily. I, you know, try not to overdo it with the hate on guys like Giannis as well, even though we lost in the finals. But I was kind of just looking at the standings in the West specifically and, and going down the line and thinking, damn, we kind of have beef with all of these teams at this point. <laughs> like, you can kind of go down the line. And Not Memphis, though, right? Oh, I guess, no, Dylan Brooks and Devin Booker. Yeah, don't like I mean, each other too. they don't like each other. I don't think, you know, I don't think that one is as explosive. Put Gorgie Jang back on that team just to make Certainly, it interesting. Certainly, none of these fan bases like each other. I mean, we're going to play the Lakers four times. We're yeah, going to play... Like Golden State four times. Yeah, We're gonna like play them. the Clippers four times. The yeah. Nuggets are in there. I think you could even throw the Pelicans in there. Like that series got nasty last mm-hmm. year. Like I think maybe the only teams that we don't despise in the West at this point, or, or, or where there aren't these petty beefs between fan bases, is I haven't sensed that with Minnesota yet. Maybe it's coming this year. Maybe enough Go Bear jokes will do the trick. <laughs> and um, I mean, among the teams who are good, like maybe that's it. You know, yeah. Like, is there another one? Uh, yeah, I, as far as Western Conference goes, that that might. I think you're right. I mean, the Suns and Memphis played set- and, and and Memphis, like you said, I would say like Memphis and Minnesota might be the only ones. Yeah, the Suns. Have, I mean, in two playoff appearances, the Suns have played five different Western Conference teams, so like none of them were repeats, and that's a pretty big swath of the good teams left in the Western Conference, and that's where enemies are made. Uh, so <laughs> that definitely. That definitely did happen. So, yeah, that'll be interesting on a night-to-night basis. And there will be times where when the Suns lose, it's probably a good idea to just log off social media entirely for a day or two uh, because of the gloating that will happen uh, as a result of those, I don't know, rivalries? Can you call them that? I'm not sure they are that. Some of them, I think, are. but Dallas they're, fans they're sure growing. don't like the Suns. And that was the other game we touched on it to start. Uh, you know, Luka Doncic and his new backcourt partner, Spencer Dinwiddie. And that is in Phoenix. And that, as far as we know, appears to be the very first game of the season. 
for the Suns, which is not the first time, as we talked about 2018-19, the Suns played Dallas to open the season again. This is similar to when the Nuggets were swept by the Suns and then had the opportunity to play the Suns in, at least early on in the season and, I don't know, try to exercise some demons, I guess. But I thought you had a good point on Twitter about this, Sam, and that's that this is kind of a no-win situation for Suns fans, right? <laughs> well, social media-wise, and so, you know, look, if you're someone who doesn't do social media to begin with, good for you. Um, it's yeah. toxic, and yes. we're all ad- you're, we're, you're right. We're yes. all addicted, and our brain chemistry is deteriorating by the day. So, congratulations. Um, if you are with us on social media, whether it be Twitter, Reddit, whatever it is your your yeah. social media website, you don't of think there's uh, Facebook Suns fans here? There are. Well, uh, there are, I'm sure there are a few. There yeah. there are always a few. I don't know too much about the Suns Facebook can, can, community. Do they know how to use a podcast app? <laughs> Here, do, do not do not be mean to potential <laughs> listeners and lose us listeners right now. I don't know anything about the Suns Facebook community. I've heard stories. It's a scary place as far as I know. Um, what the hell were we talking about? What did you just ask me? <laughs> no win situation. No win situation. Thank you. Um, just don't don't log on to social media if the Suns lose this game. Um, but even if the Suns win this game, you know they're gonna tell us that it doesn't matter. Only the playoffs matter. Yada yada. So really, I mean, look, it's the put the social media bullshit aside for this game. And really, all I'm watching for when I watch the opener is I'm watching the energy of the players, and I need to see fight from these guys especially if it's the same team without kevin durant and it's just 90 percent the same team that got spanked in game seven i need to see them come out on their home floor and whoop some dallas ass um and and look like they give a shit quite frankly you know like i know we normally say well schedule doesn't matter that much you know how many times you're playing this team regardless but in this specific circumstance against this specific team the suns need to look like dogs they need to come out with the right energy mm-hmm. uh, and and just be consumed by a spirit of vengeance uh, yeah. taking on the Dallas Mavericks. Nothing else, right. you know, nothing less than that would be acceptable from them in this particular game. Well, Aiton always looks good against Christian Wood. JaVale McGee is long and strong, and that is an interesting uh, matchup as far as what the Suns will be facing against them. But no, Jalen Brunson just makes the Suns defense, depending on who's on the team, which there's an interesting note about that that we'll cover next. Uh, but it does make defensively a little more sense as far as how the Suns attack them defensively. So we'll see what that looks like. Looking forward to the main thing that happened is when the schedule is releasing, it's a reminder that basketball is back soon and it's not that far away, just two months basically from yeah, that's now, o- the October, regular season. October 23rd, that is nine weeks from now, yeah. is the start of the regular season. By the way, Wait, October 23rd? Did I just say that? I think it's October 19th. I think it's the 19th. 19th is the first game, right? It's the 19th. I don't know where the yeah. 23rd came from in yeah. my head. I think that's something else. So it's the 19th, which is just over eight weeks away. Um, and that's mm-hmm. not even to account for preseason and stuff. Like Again, like I said, training camp will start in like five weeks. It's coming up. Speaking of players that will or will not be on the Suns, Jay, Co- Jay Crowder <laughs> posted on Instagram recently in a Phoenix Suns sweater uh, warm-up, if you want to call it that. And uh, the Suns logo, the Valley logo, if you believe it was, was blurred out on that. Just another sort of, I don't know if you can call it a shot at the Suns or indication that maybe he's not happy with his place in the hierarchy of the Phoenix Suns at this time. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on this. I think the... We did cover it recently. 
yes, and the implication of it is relatively obvious as far as what he's doing there. But I do want to ask you, what do you think the chances are that Jay Crowder is on the Suns at the beginning of the season? And what do you think the chances are that he's on the Suns at the end of the season at this point? Man, it's a good question. When you phrase it like that, I think the odds of Jay Crowder being on the Suns at the beginning of the season remain very high. Mostly because I think the Suns are going to continue to chase the KD dream. I think there's a certain point during the season at which things might come to a head. And it's clear that uh, that Jay is fostering some sort of resentment that is affecting his play on the court. If he continues to, you know, to, to do this. And again, we've we've covered the whole angle of like, does he have the right to be mad? Does he have, you know, does he have the right to, to have feelings as a human being? So, you know, <laughs> which obviously the answer is yes. So I'm not so interested in like continuing to address yes. that. At this point, yeah, we believe it's yes. Yeah. Um, Other people but, seem to not. Well, my point, okay, but my point there being there comes... Uh, eventually if it's affecting his play on the court and the KD dream is dead, there comes a time where the Suns will need to pivot. And we've talked about the contingency plans in the past. Maybe different contingency plans will open up as the season goes along. Um, but so if you just had to ask me based on today, based on what's going on right now, uh, yeah, I think Jay's going to be a Sun probably at the start of the season. Uh, but, you know, if this continues to fester, yeah, he's going to be kind of the first guy on the trade block and, and probably the first guy gone in, in December or January because... You just can't keep that energy around for too long if you're really trying to convince yourself that this is a championship team. This is a team that's really fighting for uh, for a trophy. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, like, you know, maybe he just plays through it and maybe he gets back to training camp and everything is fine. And, you know, like he completely meshes with his teammates. Again, I judging on how, how Jay has handled this, I still almost feel like he kind of interestingly has a beef with the fans. And not that he's like outwardly targeting the fans, but I feel like he has more of a beef with the outside conversation yeah, coming from the fans and coming from the media right. about how the Suns need to improve. And he's internalizing that and he's taking it personally. If he feels it's a just certain, so tough because there's no leaks with the Suns to know if that's it or not. You know, I, I haven't else going on. I haven't personally interpreted it yet as Jay Crowder has beef with the Phoenix Suns organization. And when I say that, I mean the organization on the front office level, but also, you know, the players level, Monty, whoever. Um, and if that's how he feels, I don't I just don't know that the Suns organization has done anything to like wrong Jay, Drake, uh, Jay Crowder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like you said, maybe there's stuff we don't know that's going yeah. on behind the scenes and and we'll see how that plays out. I'll just give my perspective on the question that I asked you and that what are the chances that Jay is a a Suns player at the beginning or end of the season? I think if Kevin Durant's traded, he's gone. Either if if he's traded to the Suns or not. I think the Suns kind of need to hold on to him until the end of the Kevin Durant saga because of his salary and the fact that it's an expiring salary. He makes about $9 million and it's just an easy trade piece. That's an interesting question, actually. Yep, go mm -hmm. ahead. And if Kevin Durant's traded to the Celtics, for example... I think the Suns are going to trade Jay Crowder at that point. I think there's, you know, I think they probably have to just shift in their priorities, and I don't think the Suns are willing. I think the Suns, in their pursuit for Kevin Durant, shows that they understand what's needed for this team, and that's another offensive player that's capable of bringing more uh, dynamic attacks to the Suns' offense. And if if Kevin Durant's not on the table anymore, I think the Suns will shift and, and try to find somebody else. And Jay Crowder's salary in that case is still going to be important. And that could mean that he goes to a third team that is a contender if the Suns are not trading directly with a contender. 
or that he's just used as sort of a salary and ex, you know expiring yeah. salary that goes to a team where maybe they can get somebody like Harrison Barnes that we've brought up before sure. uh, recently on our uh, Patreon podcast Kellen Olson brought up Kyle Kuzma as an example and he you know maybe he'd be a good player on the Washington Wizards at that point but uh, I would say that he's probably gone by the beginning of the season if if really? Durant's traded you think he's, and you think he's okay if Durant's traded if Durant's traded and by the end of the season I would all but guarantee that he's not going to be a Suns player by the end of the season wow guarantee just think, is a guarantee is a lot but I could see it I I want to ask the Suns are going to make a trade either now or at the trade deadline and he's an expiring nine million dollar contract that see, man, is I, probably not going to be in the starting lineup anymore I want you know? to believe I want to believe that the Suns will be forced into making a trade at some point, either now or at the deadline. I can't put out a guarantee there for people based on what they've done in the last two trade deadlines where they did nothing both times. We'll see if they mm-hmm. learn from that experience. But, you know, I, I just wouldn't put out a guarantee. I think it's interesting that you mentioned salary, though, because there's another guy on the Suns roster who's also mm-hmm. an expiring contract <laughs> who makes basically exactly the same amount of money as yeah. Jay Crowder. His name is Dario Saric. He's healthy again. Yep. What I think is interesting about it, though, before we go into all of that, like up until now, I feel like Dario was always the throw in in people's trade packages, kind of because he became this afterthought in the roster of like uh, Dario's. He hasn't been mm-hmm. healthy, so we don't even know what he can contribute. The team has enough backup centers technically that they could go on without him between Bismack Biombo and Jack Landale and yada yada. Um, so I feel like Dario has always been that assumed throw in. Yeah. filler piece like if you needed salary filler in the kd trade if you needed salary filler in some other trade it felt like dario was going first yeah. based on what you're saying to me though now that's flipped right like jay is now first i think if he's just unhappy you know that that i think that puts him a little bit ahead although yeah like if you just need <laughs> a funny one piece, thing happened with if dario you just need this one week. piece to match yeah we'll get we'll get there but if you just need one piece to match a salary not based on like the value of the players on the basketball court or anything right now, but just like Jay being unsettled means Jay goes out first. That's how it yeah. feels. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think that, yeah, as far as the hierarchy of players are likely to be gone, Jay has leapfrogged Dario Saric. Although there was a moment in <laughs> in this last week where I was in fear that something happened between Dario Saric and Monty Williams because... And we've talked about this before, right? You and I. The concept of foreign players going back to their home country and then doing interviews about basketball where they just dish as if it's not going to be translated and brought over to America where we could just read, um, you know, Gortat or Dragic talking about how they hate the teams that they're on. Uh, But we learned this week the problems with those translations sometimes. <laughs> and that's because there was an article written in basketnews.com, which was about Dario Saric, where they asked him if he was returning to the Suns, because obviously lots of trade rumors around the Suns. And he said, yes. And the original article that I saw said that he had an argument with Monty Williams, but he will be back to the Suns next year. I immediately panicked because I did not hear about that argument, was worried about the concept of the Suns not leaking anything, and this included, and the idea that maybe the locker room is just a complete disaster and a mess. This all went through my mind. Well, I was doing research, and it was pointed out to me that there was another article with the exact same quote where it was translated as a conversation with Monty. Specifically, not a discussion. I a discussion with yes. Monty and not an argument. And that's when I went to Google Translate and started typing words in Google Translate. And I discovered 
that the word argue and the word discuss has the same word in Croatian, is translated into the same word in Croatian. So it appeared whoever used Google Translate to translate the original article, maybe it was just the website, uh, from Croatian to English, it was translated as argue and in another one it was translated as discussion. And it appears the entire story was just that he talked to Monty Williams. Monty Williams said the plan is to bring him back to the Suns and not trade him, but everything's sort of up in the air. Uh, that word in Croatian, are we going to try to pronounce it, Sam? You go first. Raspraljati? Uh, <laughs> I think that's wrong. Um, well, yeah. So, let me say I'm first sure, of I'm all, sure it is. Uh, if we have any Raspraljati. Raspravyati. How about that? Raspravyati. I think I think it's a soft J. I'm gonna guess. Um, yeah. If we have any Croatian listeners or Croatian adjacent listeners Croatian or people friends. of Croatian people of Croatian ancestry, them. I apologize. <laughs> uh, I apologize for how we're handling it. Um, shout out, shout out, Stanko and Ivan, if you're listening. Raspravyati. <laughs> Yati seems right to me. You know, Croatia is pretty close to to Italy, which makes me think that maybe there's sort of an Italian flair. Raspravyati. There's sort of a <laughs> there's, there's a little yeah. Italian flair that you could put on it. Right. I'm sure it's not pronounced that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think this is really and interesting. Italians sound like they're arguing when they're not sometimes. <laughs> well, that's where I was going to go with this though. Like yeah. linguistically, and and you know, language tells us about culture. What does it say about a culture? where an argument and a discussion are the same word. You know, I think that's yeah. really interesting kind of as a concept. Raspadriati, <laughs> <laughs> according to Google Translate, is translated as discuss, argue, debate, talk over, and agitate. <laughs> All of okay, them. so like, those I'm, a little worried, I'm a meetings. little worried that four out of the five, five of those are pretty <laughs> negative. <laughs> I don't but, think Dario is the type of guy to just like maybe, let that fly in a foreign, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's the been way, weird things with Minnesota where he didn't like his time in Minnesota. He's pretty clear way, about that in Minnesota, though. Croatian listeners of the podcast, I assure you, I tried to Google how to pronounce this. I could not find a pronunciation guide anywhere on the Internet. So please... Uh, help us out. I, I I promise you. I searched and I just could not find it. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. And um, I don't know. Do people just like constantly talk over each other on the street and like yell at each other in Croatia? Yeah. Is that like the average? The Isn't average that what they do in New York, where you grew up? <laughs> that's kind. Of, I mean, that's the stereotype of what they do in New York. I don't think right. it's actually like that. But maybe mm-hmm. I don't have a baseline to like compare it to other places. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It is kind of interesting, and I, I do think that it was much ado about nothing, more the, than anything else. The Just sort of a thing funny here, thing that happened this last week. I think we're interpreting it as it was nothing. He discussed with Monty. We've only seen positive, lovable memes between Monty and Dario in the past. Um, and I think also it's really important to note here that the reason this article was coming out in the first place is because Dario Saric is healthy, and Dario Saric is representing Croatia at FIBA Eurobasket. Yes which starts in two weeks, their opening right. game is against Greece, which actually, like, if you're particularly basketball-starved, I did remember doing this in the past when Goran Dragic was on the Suns. Eurobasket is fun. Um, the It's a high level of competition. It's maybe not always the easiest. Is it ESPN? To... Is it going to be on ESPN? I have no, I, I have no idea. I would love to do that it. on playback. I know you said that on Twitter. I would love to do that on playback if that's on, because I'm definitely going to watch it. I have a feeling it's not, so we'll have to look into it. You have yeah. to be a little bit... In the past when I've watched Eurobasket, let's just say that I've had to be a little more savvy about finding ways to watch it. <laughs> um, but it's fun. It's, what, what I mean is, it's a fun time. It's basketball, and it's starting in September, a solid four weeks before NBA training camp even begins. 
Um, so and and there's a Phoenix Sun playing, and he's healthy, and I think it'll be a little bit interesting to watch Dario go up against Giannis directly in Game One against Greece, like 13 months on the road to recovery after he tore his ACL against the Bucks in the finals. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that should be a lot of fun, and and hopefully we'll Croatia see if Dario really was the difference well. against Giannis. Uh, that we there will missing. be um, he's undefeated in the finals. Dario Saric, he's never exactly. lost a finals game. Oh, yeah. and you can bet if they beat Greece in that opening game, that's the meme yeah. I'm going to be running with. Croatia, <laughs> uh, if we're being honest, probably not going to win this tournament, but they have yeah, a couple other. They're, they're a solid They'll be team, pretty though. good, yeah. They've got Boyan Bogdanovic. Yeah. They've got Mario Hizonia. Jalen um, Smith, not the one, not the different Jalen Smith, Smith you're thinking of. They Jaylen signed, Smith, as, they as signed spelled. the other Jalen Smith that the Suns had on their summer league roster. Um, yeah. Dragon Bender could not make this team. He was cut mm. from this team. Um, although he is dealing with boy is that of, depressing he was he is dealing with some sort of injury at this point and the article that i was reading said that he would still be incorporated into the croatian national team in the future but yeah right. um but the, the word incorporated is, also means executed in google translate <laughs> i think yeah exactly um <laughs> look the point is they have a few nba players uh these aren't nobodies uh, but also dario is going to be like you know a principal guy in the offense i would mm-hmm. think and so that'll be kind of interesting to watch from supposedly he's looked good this was from from zach Lowe mentioned that dario sharitz working out with the croatian national team is looking pretty good so that's look a good at the end of the day healthy dario sharitz yeah coming off eurobasket feeling rejuvenated yeah because like, keep in mind be like ricky rubio kind keep of. in mind a lot of these foreign guys it's really tough for them because you feel the constant pressure of needing to go back home and perform for your national team, even after if you play for a playoff team in the NBA, right after you've played a grueling NBA season to then have to go and constantly participate in Eurobasket or in other FIBA tournaments if you're from another part of the world or in the Olympics. Every four years, it can be a lot on your body. Dario's been building up to this. He should be, he should be refreshed. He should be ready to go. And a Dario that looks good, uh, could be the key to it all. He could unlock everything about this Suns team going forward. At least that's the meme that people have been going with. Uh, yeah. A lot of people are hopeful that Dario, Dario Saric... Suns. He does. That, at the very least, that Dario Saric unlocks Cameron Payne for next year and allows campaign a bounce-back season. Uh, but we'll see how it looks. For half a season, Dario Saric had the best net rating in the NBA of players who played significant minutes. And that's, that's pretty a true wild fact. to say. We have fact. questions. I want to get to some of these before we end this one. Uh I knew we would have a little bit of time at the end of this podcast, so I asked on our Discord for some questions. Thank you to those who asked us questions. If you want to join the Discord, you can join our Patreon, and we'll send you a link. Uh, Professor Bamboo said, What is the worst point guard you'd take in a one-for-one trade for Chris Paul if you had absolute cer- if you had absolute certainty that he'd be healthy in the playoffs while well, Chris Paul's odds of being healthy are pretty low? Um so basically saying if you could trade Chris Paul for a, a point guard that you know would be healthy in the playoffs, uh, who's the worst player you would trade for in that case? Assuming I'm still trying Chris to win a guard. championship, right? Like Yeah, and I, still... I assume this is not with Kevin Durant Yeah, on the yeah. team. This is like with this current team. I'd still, I have, a, I'd I have, still a, have to be an all-star for me, I think. I have right? a question for you. Would you. How much faith do you have in Darius Garland? Oh, Ooh. You'd have to have a lot of faith in Darius Garland to to put him here to yeah. answer this question with him, I think. But I just know you're like number one on the Darius Garland. I think train, of him as, as you a younger be. Chris Paul, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I think <laughs> I think there's a lot of defensively potential. not quite, but yeah, there's a lot of momentum pointing in that direction. 
I don't know. I, like, uh, I would probably trade Chris Paul for Darius Garland right now. Yes, uh, I hate to I hate to say that, but the idea of Darius Garland, Devin Booker backcourt offensively for the next, you know, assuming we're allowed to keep Darius. If this is just not a one year, oh no, uh, I interpreted. Idea. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would obviously do that trade too. I interpreted yeah. this as like a just one for year, one year, just like a swap. Uh, yeah, Chris no, Ball I'd with probably some keep other Chris guy Ball. for one year. Yeah. I'd probably keep Chris Ball. Where are we at with a healthy, like if you could guarantee Damian Lillard was healthy, he's still awesome, right? He's still, like, I feel like people are really down on Dame right now, but I don't know how much of that comes down to the sort of abdominal issues and the general team scheme of Portland. Um, But I I would like to think that if I could guarantee health, which is what this question is asking me, like I'd have a lot of faith in Dame. Yeah, Dame. Dame would be, Dame would be for sure on that list. Who else? have to do that. Dame would, by the way, Dame would be that entirely because of the guarantee that he's healthy. Uh, you know, yeah, I th- sure. because I think I actually think Chris Paul is probably, I don't know, like like a more important playoff player in a lot of ways if Chris Paul is healthy. Uh, but Dame is younger, so yeah, Dame has to be that. Mm, who are the other all stars? Obviously, John Morant. I think you do John Morant. Yeah, <laughs> Jaws, Jaws like yeah. already, Jaws yeah. already better. You know, because because then yeah, there's the list of guys like Curry, Morant. Mm. Guys who are just already, you would obviously do it. Trey, as well, to be honest. Oh, that's interesting. I think you would, man. I know, but I think you would. Yeah, you're probably right. I think you're probably right. That'd be a fascinating team uh, to see with Trey. Because he does a lot of the things that Chris Paul does. And Chris Paul, defensively, is probably pretty close to what Trey is right now. Uh, And then Trey is just willing to take those long shots. The thing about Trey is... He's the most, basically the most ball dominant player in the NBA right now. Him and 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 Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. and you know as far as how he would fit on the Suns, that's an interesting conversation. Who is the worst of those players that we mentioned? Is it like the broken Damian Lillard last year? Yeah, broken Damian Lillard really has to revamp his stock. Who um, knows what it'll be this year? Shout out to Ty in our Discord who said healthy Ricky Rubio. That's a response to this question. I thought that was great. Funny. Great answer. Uh, I'm going to think more about that because that's an interesting question. Nethers, I, we're not going to have time to answer this question, but I like it, so I'm going to read it. What is your best guess on rotations and minute allocations if the season started today? That's the type of question that I would need to do some research for. We did it for the playoffs this last year where we sort of guessed the minutes, and I enjoyed that as a thought last exercise. Year, last year, you did a really fun exercise. I mean, we did this exercise together on the pod, but yeah. you also, I know you were approached by b-ball index by b-ball index because b-ball index specifically wants people who cover teams to submit likely projections of um rotations and and minutes allocations so that they yeah. can kind of feed it through a model for um, predictions and, yeah and we got to do that for we got to be sons representatives doing that two, last for two year. years i've done it two years for b-ball index that was really fun i don't know yeah. if we get to do it again this year but it would be really fun if we do and we could kind of turn it into a whole episode i think if we did that would yeah. be very like nerdy and very sp- specific for nerds um, yeah. but also we can't do that episode until we have a better better when idea we, of what the when do we start like. talking about next year yeah that's I don't know. that's the question um <laughs> this is a coffee black he said which nba players are secretly giant weebos we we had a long conversation in discord about zion williamson saying 80 percent of nba players watch anime so apparently 80 percent of the nba are giant weebos so i'm <laughs> not really sure uh if I can answer more than that, I, my theory was, and I guess I'll break this out. Here, that was a great that, article, by the way. Did you read it? I, or did I did not. I just quote? saw the headline. But my theory was that Devin Booker just definitely doesn't watch anime, right? Is doesn't that seem right? To book you? book seems a little too normy for anime to me. Yeah, yeah. 
I just feel like he's um, probably like, what is that? I'm not watching. I that. could and see then just Aiden. watch his film or plays Call of Duty. Aiden or McHale though could Aiden McHale campaign. I feel like they probably watch anime. Like <laughs> they seem to fall right into that eighty percent probably. Uh, there, I, not, the but. reason I mentioned that article, by the way, there was just one excerpt in there which made me like belly laugh, which was just like Zion treats anime like it's the Bible or something. I can't re- ah, like it's it, yes. anime is Zion's Bible. <laughs> it was just this funny image to me of like <laughs> they should you know, put you know how <laughs> required many NBA, film watching in his contract. You know how many NBA players are religious to begin with, but just like kind of this this <laughs> mental image of like the entire generation Z of NBA yeah. players just like. Zion's like, I got to go to church. And then he just like puts on Death Note or something. Puts on (laughs) Attack on Titan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Gundy said, what's your favorite letter? I'm going to say W because I like to win. Uh, What's yours, Sam? S. For Sam. Durag Hoop said, and I like this question. This is (laughs) a more serious question. question. Uh, What team not named the Clippers do you fear the most? And then he mentioned he's all in on the Pelicans and that we have an ESPN game against them at the beginning of the season. Uh, do the do the Boston <laughs> Celtics with Kevin Durant count? Mm, God, I want to throw up just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, they count. I mean, I yeah. Mean, but- like, honestly, man, the Bucks. I think the Bucks with healthy Middleton again, they still count. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think there's this, like, there's this overarching question of, like, okay, well, what if you are good enough to not implode and you get to the finals and you meet the Bucks? Yeah. Have you really addressed what you need? You know, like Dario Saric might be your backup center no. again. <laughs> they have not. They <laughs> did. Know, like, this team that we have right now lost to Luka Doncic. Yeah. Uh, and, so. and the Bucks are better. They have not addressed it. Uh, I, I just think until the Suns beat the Warriors, it's the Warriors for me. You know, like that's, you know, if the Warriors are healthy, you know, they, they make it to the finals. That's what we've seen. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's see. Steel Curtain 94 said KD gets a lot of his touches in the same general area that DA does in the event, by the way, same with Chris Paul, same with Devin Booker, uh, in the event that we acquire KD, how would you like DA to adapt his game where he gets touches and what he does with them? That's a great question. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, it's going to be a really tough season for DA. If, if it, look, if, it was true that DA just wanted his bag and he'll be fine with any role as long as he's winning. This won't be an issue. If mm. some of the rumors that came to the surface at one point are true that he really wants more touches, he wants a he wants a heavier load. It's just not going to happen on a KD team. Like I don't I don't see a path to that happening. If there's uh yeah. if, if if there are some Suns fans now who think that DA is neglected on offense, what are they going to say about a team with Kevin Durant and DeAndre right. Ayton on it? You know, he's he's going to be Clint Capella, he's gonna be. He's the, like, in the dunker spot. Right? I just He'll, don't. I I don't see a. I, do you like? I don't see a path to how you avoid that. Nor should you. Honestly, no, if, if we talk, it's the first the thing we talked about with this conversation. As soon as uh, DeAndre in, was back, you know, you hope that it is entirely money related and not about a role because there really is not a way to get him more touches when you have a guy who can average thirty points per game at sixty plus percent true shooting. I like, mean, that's just insane you have I to guess. give that guy the ball and by the way if you want to involve Kevin Durant in the plays with your other best players which happen to be Chris Paul and Devin Booker that means Durant has to be the screener and that takes away one of the main roles for DeAndre in as well so if you're parking him in the dunker spot once again 
offensive rebounds, tip-ins, that is where he eats at that point. And that means that he has to be more focused on those things than he's ever been in order for him to justify what he gets paid on the Suns. I guess one it's of the tough. It's tough. One of the one of the only things you could do is just try and maximize more DA uh, second unit minutes and have him just be a second unit killer. But yeah. outside, I mean, that's a rotation thing. That's not like an X's and O's scheme thing. So he's so. Javale in some ways, you know, like he becomes. Because I could see a scenario where the Suns say, "Look, we gotta run. We gotta run pick and rolls with Kevin Durant being the screener. Let's just put Dario in there. Let's just put Tory Craig in there at center." and let them spread the floor as much as possible and just run with Durant as a screener for certain sections of the game just because that's what they did in Brooklyn and that's what uh, that's happened a lot with Kevin Durant in his career where they want a floor spacer next right. to him. So it's going to be pretty fascinating to see if that ends up happening. That was a great, great question. You got anything else before we go here, Sam? No, I think that, uh, I think that about wraps it up. Hopefully we said some... Uh, we didn't completely bore you on this mid-August edition... <laughs> of where will Kevin Durant end up. (laughs) Yes, appreciate you guys uh, for listening. Of course, back next week with the regular uh, podcast episode, and we are always on call if Kevin Durant does end up getting traded, Suns or not, hopefully to the Suns. We appreciate you guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.